improvement. Uh, Billy Vaughn is, is it Tanner? Still, he hopes to come home on Tuesday. So y'all pray for Billy. Um, he had a couple of ports taken out and, and a new one put in this morning, hopefully. Uh, he said he would between 9 and 12. Pray for Donna Kirk's family, Nikki Hobson's mother. Uh, died this past week. Her funeral was on Friday. So let's continue to lift them up. And then Donna Holder's husband, Scott Holder, is in ICU at Tanner uh, and is not doing well. He is uh, not breathing on his own. He's a pretty criti- critical condition. It has nothing to do with coronavirus, but um, let's pray for Donna and Scott. And then, Miss Johnny, we, we mentioned your granddaughter, Ellie Wilson, this morning. Okay. Okay. Someone I can't. Who mentioned that at at nine? That's who it was, Miss Becky. Thank you. Okay. Um, other updates or prayer requests, Miss Kelly. Yes. Uh, Somebody, Richard Finch mentioned him at nine, that uh, he's still at Emory in serious condition. So continue to pray for Mark Buchanan. Oh, wow. You know, I had seen that. Pray for Karen Wright. Yes. Amber Owensby. Um, Andrew's wife, Andrew had mentioned that to me. Thank you for, for sharing that. Today at 6, John Mark Arp will be teaching in here, adults, on Colossians 1, and the youth will meet in the youth space at 6 o'clock as well as they're going through the Sermon on the Mount with Bryson. Okay, any other prayer requests or updates? Well, it's wonderful to have all of you here this morning. Let's stand. Alan, would you lead us in prayer, please? Good morning. We're going to begin worship this morning with singing Praise Him, Praise Him. I just noticed at the bottom of the um, hymn, it says Joyful Song. This is a really joyful week. I know Heard County's been back at school, Central, Carroll County's went back to school this week. So we heard all those prayer requests. But, you know, I just think it's important for us to remember we've got a lot to be joyful for, too. And being able to gather and worship is one of those. So let's sing together this morning Praise Him, Praise Him.
First Chronicles 29:11 says, "Thine, O Lord, is the greatest, and the power, and the glory, and the majesty." Let's close worship with singing "Majesty" together. we just worship you this morning, God. Lord, may we just be reminded of your um, powerful majesty, God. Lord, may in all that we do, um, we just be reminded to glorify your name, God, because you are in control of everything. God, nothing takes you by surprise. Nothing catches you off guard, God. And Lord, while we may not be in control and while things may not go our way or our plan, God, Lord, may we remember that that is never out of your will, God. Lord, even in the beginning of time, God's sin and, and the fall of man did not catch you off guard, God, but instead you provided a way for them and an answer, God. So, Lord, may we be reminded and encouraged, God, that nothing we do is going to catch you off guard, Lord. But if we seek your face and seek your kingdom, God, you are providing a way for us. Lord, as we open your word, God, I just pray there will be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, God. May we hide its words in our hearts. May you use um, Pastor Neil as a vessel this morning, God, just to speak clearly to each one of us as we dive back into the book of James, Lord. We just love you and praise you and thank you, and we turn this time of study over to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to James chapter 4. Read verse 11 and 12 before we actually get into the text that we'll study today. And today's passage proves that the Word of God is true, it's relevant, it's living, and it's powerful, and it speaks to us today. God communicates to us today what we need to know because I think all of us would agree that we are in very interesting times, very uncertain times, and the year 2020 has been an illustration of what we're going to study today in James chapter 4. So, back in January, did any of you imagine that we would be where we are here? And uh, is it still August? In August. So, as we walk through James, I want you to think about all the things that have happened in the last few months that you did not see coming. And then I want us to think about what James says and how we live in light of some of the events that have unfolded, both on a global scale, uh, maybe on a national scale, and even in our, in our personal lives. So James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 is picking up where we were last week. And it tells us, Do not speak against one another, brethren, that he who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law. And judges the law, but if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. And we should be concerned about doing the law, not judging the law, or judging others in light of the law. Because, verse 12, there's only one lawgiver and judge. He's the one who's able to save and to destroy, but who are you who judge your neighbor? So one of the ways we evade our responsibility before God is we get to focus on other people so that we can forget about our own accountability before the one who is judged. So in verse 13, James wants to wake us up. 
You're like, I'm not asleep. You haven't even gotten started good yet. So wake us up, James. Verse 13, he says, come on. He says, come now, you who say, and then he quotes things that some people were saying and things that we still say today. Yeah, today or tomorrow, I'm going to go to such and such a city. I'm going to spend a year there, and I'm going to engage in business. I'm going to make a profit. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. I've got my plans. I've got my ideas, and I feel that they're going to come to fruition. I'm going to be set. I'm going to have, I'm going to have money. Now, don't hear us saying don't plan. Because the book of Proverbs and the whole Bible says you need to plan. You need to work. But you need to remember in verse 14, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Heavenly Father, we pray today that you would show us how it is that we should live in light of today and tomorrow and the fact that you are Lord over both. I thank you that eternity is real, that eternal life is real. And all of us, as we examine this text and our lives in light of it, we should, we should truly plan for eternity. And I pray that each one of us have done that, that we have confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in our hearts that, God, you've raised him from the dead so that we may, so that we may have the gift of eternal life. And righteousness that comes from you so that we can be prepared. We can be prepared to die so that we can then truly be ready to live. Thank you for James and what he says to us today. May we all take it to heart and examine ourselves before your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, there are four great truths today in James's passage that all of us have to deal with. These are what we will call the facts of life. None of us are exempt from it. There's nothing any of us can do to uh, insulate ourselves from these things. They are just, they are reality. They are the way things are. And 2020 has driven home for me and you the reality of these things. And we felt them. 2020 has exposed us. There are four things that are true of me and you. Number one, my knowledge is limited. You can say that again. <laughs> my knowledge is limited. Number two, my time, my time is fleeting. It's here and it's gone. Number three, my dependency is total. Totally dependent upon God for life and existence. And then number four, my accountability is certain. I will stand before the one judge and lawgiver when my life vanishes away and I need to think and live in terms of these facts of life that are not going away no matter how much I focus on other people. So last Sunday evening I was meeting with James Hughes and Abby Alexander because they are making plans to get married in June of 2021. The Bible would have for us to do that. To assume that we're going to be here and that we're going to be salt and light. And we need to raise a family and we need to do what's right. So I'm meeting with James and Abby last Sunday night. And we were all talking as we were planning for their wedding and doing premarital counseling. We were talking about a Corey Ten Boom quote that we were somewhat familiar with. But we couldn't quite remember how it went. Well, the very next day, that quote by Corey Tim Boom, if you know who that is. I'm not going to go into her life story. Amazing story. But that quote popped up on my timeline. I said, aha, there it is. <laughs> and so I sent it to James and Abby, and I'm going to share it with you because it says a lot that I'm trying to say. If you look at the world, she said, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. 
But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. As I look out at the world, I get very distressed. I get, in fact, I get angry. I get hostile. I get concerned. I get burdened. If I look within, but I don't look any better on the inside than the world I stare at on the outside. But ah, if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Even in light of these things that we're talking about, and that's where I hope to land as we end. But let's walk back through this and see what James has to say. Number one, my knowledge is limited. There's one thing James says in this text, and he repeats it. And we find it in other places in the Bible, and that's that little phrase, you do not know. There's a lot that I don't know. In fact, the older I get, the more I realize that there's more that I didn't know. It's a, there's an infinite amount that I don't know. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Well, James is specifically talking about life tomorrow. You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. In other words, our lives are always going to be filled with an element of uncertainty and the unknowns. I do not know what's up around the bend on the road of life. That's why we repeatedly tell ourselves and our children, be careful. Drive at the appropriate speed. Stay in the proper lane. You don't know what's over the hill. You don't know what's up around the bend. And that's a really good parable for the way we ought to live life. So James is saying, pump the brakes a little bit and slow down on all these plans that you have as you say, I'm going to go there and I'm going to do this. Maybe not. If God wills it, it will be so. But you're not in control. You don't have what he has. He has perfect knowledge. He is omniscient. Meaning he not only knows the end from the beginning, but God declares the end from the beginning, meaning he is totally sovereign and in control of everything that happens on earth. Not even a sparrow touches the ground apart from our Heavenly Father. So my knowledge is limited. And this year has certainly proved how limited it is. And that things have happened which have drastically impacted all of our lives, even how we're meeting here this morning in a second service. And who would have imagined the things that that we've gone through. We, you know, in all of our planning and all the things I wrote in my calendar and all the, you know, a lot of that was just wiped, wiped clean and we, we were starting all over. And we still don't know what the rest of the year is going to look like. We don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. A significant life-altering event for all of us is only a phone call away. So what do we do? You know, we might say, well, I ate all my vitamins and I said all my prayers. <laughs> but that didn't affect tomorrow in the ways that I thought it would. No. We need to turn our eyes toward Christ. We need to look in His face. We need to, to hear His word. We need to worship and sing songs that remind us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways know Him and He will direct your paths. That there is a time to be born and a time to die. A time to laugh and a time to cry. Read Ecclesiastes 3. This is not new. The seasons of life that come and go. We are to trust in Him, and, and, and I will give you an illustration from, from my perspective as a father, and this is just something that came to mind years ago with one of my sons. I don't remember which one it was, but I was about to... I don't ever really wash my cars. It's not a priority for me. I guess it should be. But I was about to pull into one of these automated car washes where they, they shoot all this stuff at you, and they turn these wheels... And all this stuff, this foam, and you can't see, and there's water, and there's spray, and these big, huge things that looks like, look like giant mops coming at you. And I'm about to pull into one, and one of my boys looks at me like, ah, <laughs> you know, what are we about to get into? 
he's in his car seat, and I just look back, and I smile. I give him the thumbs up, and I'm like, these usually end well. <laughs> you know, everything's going to be all right. And then once he saw my face and my perspective, it changed his mood. So we don't know what's up around the bend, but, but we know God, right? We know Him, and we know that He knows, and that anything that comes my way, He is Lord over, and He's sovereign over. And yeah, if I look at the world, and it's in chaos and confusion, and the world doesn't know how to respond, and if I just leave am left to myself, I don't have the solutions, and, and I don't know what's going to happen, but we try to make good decisions and, and live wisely and, and follow life according to His Word, but I keep looking to Him because He knows the future. And if He alone knows the future, then that also tells me that I really don't know about today and what today means until later on down the line. Or as the hymn says, we'll understand better by and by. Let me give you an example. Like when Freddie Duncan, like a vapor, was just here and gone a few weeks ago, that was completely unexpected and completely shocking to all of us. But God was not surprised. And so I was talking to Scott, his son, this week, and we were kind of revisiting and thinking through the providence of God, and, and how God can suddenly take someone, but, but then it begins to shed light on other things that happened along the way now that we have new information that Freddie was going to be taken suddenly. Just maybe years ago when his son Michael had a sudden and traumatic helicopter crash that paralyzed him from the waist down, Freddie and his family asked, what, why did this happen? What could it mean? Well, Freddie and Mary shared that after that event, they began to go and visit and help and spend quality, meaningful time with Michael that, that they weren't doing before, but that called for a new heightened sense of love and care and service. They spent time together that they wouldn't have had, in my opinion, had that not happened. Could that be one thing, just one aspect of good that came out of that, that looking back in the providence of God that helps you understand partly why that happened then was to look at what God was doing now. So I can't really interpret fully today until later on down the line. And in fact, I really won't know what everything means that I'm going through today until I get to heaven and I know fully as I've been fully known. Am I, am I getting this across that you and I have limited knowledge about tomorrow, which means I also have limited interpretation about today, and I just need to trust in the Lord and do good. I need to trust His Word now, because where He is leading me today, He knows what it's going to mean tomorrow, and He knows what it's going to mean for eternity. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Our Lord works, William Cooper says in that hymn, in mysterious ways his wonder to perform. My knowledge is limited, but his is perfect. He is never surprised or caught off guard by anything, and we can rest looking at Christ knowing that he's in control. But us, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. So we need to expect the unexpected and trust the God of omniscience. Number two, not only is my knowledge limited, but my time is limited. In fact, my time is fleeting. And it's here and it's gone. James says, Neil, you need to remember you're just a vapor. And the glory of man and your prime and your life, it's here and it's gone. In fact, Isaiah 40 says that it's like a flower that's fading. You've cut flowers and you've put them in water, you've put them in the jar and you've put them on your table. Within a few days, <laughs> they're fading, you've got to throw them out. 
Well, that's a negative thought, isn't it? James says our life is like a breath. You know those cold mornings when you breathe, you can see your breath and it's there and then, then it just vanishes. That's reality. That's our reality. None of us are going to escape this reality. And we don't, you know, we don't like to face this, but our lives are marked with brevity and, and an inevitable end. And we don't feel right about this because Ecclesiastes says that he said eternity in our hearts, and we realize that we're here and we're gone, but it just doesn't feel that that's the whole story, and, and that's good because it's not. This week when Donna Kirk passed away, my mind went back to one of my last visits with her, and she had a great memory, and she was remembering me and my wife when we were back in high school dating Donna was picking at me a little bit. She says, y'all are so cute. <laughs> You'd pull up to the elementary school where my wife's mom was working and Tracy would get in, get in the truck with me. And she says, she had those cute little outfits on and you were in that cute little truck and, and y'all were driving around. And I said, Donna, huh? <laughs> I, I can't go back to 1988. <laughs> you know, there's a lot changed since then. We're fading and we're exhausted. We're worn out. Had she come to my window back in 1988 and says, you're going to get married, you're going to have five children, and you're going to pastor a church, and you're going to be a preacher's wife, we would say, wait, we, we don't want to hear anymore. We might check out right now. Man, it's a good thing we don't know everything that's coming, isn't it? He, he unfolds the mystery of life at his time and in, in his way, but, but Donna was saying that, like, we're, we're, and she was living. She was living with cancer, a three-year battle. And, and she was reminding me, and we were reminding each other that you're here and then you're gone. So here's the question. What are you going to do with it? And having raised three children who are already gone and out of the home and kind of on their own, not really, but kind of. And I got Bennett now who's nine years old, and I know now how short my time is, and it's changed a little bit about how I relate to Bennett now that I'm a little older, and I've made a few adjustments. He's kind of like my, my first grandchild, I guess you might say jokingly. I don't mean that, but we joke that. But you see how once you realize that everything's here and gone, it, it, it tends to inspire you to reinvest in what can't be taken away. So what have we learned from 2020? That, that life is very brief, it's very short, but there's a lot that can be stripped away from us. Our health can be taken away, some of our freedoms can be taken away, our time can be taken away, but there's one thing that they never took away from any of us, and that's our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. There's a love that transcends all of time and all of eternity. So the reality that life is fleeting, it's here and it's gone, is kind of, that's been driven home for you and me. So we need to plan for tomorrow, and we need to work for tomorrow. And, and James and Abby need to plan to get married next June. But we also need to realize that we may only have today. And Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband died as a missionary at a young age to share Christ with those who did not know it, she said something very helpful. And she said this, Today is mine. Tomorrow is none of my business. If I peer anxiously into the fog of the future, I'll strain my spiritual eyes so that I don't see clearly what's required of me today. So here's the, here's the rub. What does God hold for you today? And then do that tomorrow. Then do it the next day. And run if you've got to, lamppost to lamppost, okay? But you're going to make the marathon. You're going to make the journey. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and the rest will take care of itself. Tomorrow, Jesus, there's just, you're not going to dump tomorrow's anxiety into today, are you? Today's got enough of its own. My time is fleeting. Number three, my dependency is total. James says no. He says, here's what you're dependent on. If the Lord wills, you will do this or that. You didn't put yourself here. 
It's like the mom said to the child, listen, I brought you into the world, I can take you out of this world, you know. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to think about that statement. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. We're totally dependent upon God for existence, for life, for breath, for everything that we have. Apart from Him, we can't do anything. So we need in humility to remind ourselves of of these truths. I've said before that we're like the turtle on top of a fence post. If you see a turtle on top of a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. I need to remember the contributions that others have made in my life and not forget that. I need to remember ultimately the contribution that God has made in my life, that everything that I have is by his will and by his grace. So we ought to live with the theme, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. What is his will? That I would know him, I would worship him, I'd be conformed to his character and his image and his nature. And this world is not on a string for me and it's not on a remote control. I'm totally dependent on on him for life and breath and everything. That's difficult for us when we live in a remote control world. And a lot of things have become very easy for us at the push of a button. But there's still an infinite amount that we don't control, right? Something my grandfather used to jokingly say, and my dad and I talk about this a lot, sometimes he would get frustrated with the weather weather pattern that we were in. And granddad would say every now and then he'd shake his head, he says, we're going to have to do something about this weather. (laughs) That's ironic, isn't it? What can we do about the weather? Nothing but adjust our sails, right? Adjust our attitudes. That's where we live on a daily basis. Arrogance and boasting is evil, James says. It's delusional. What's God's will? Not my will, not my ideas, not my plans, my agendas, but rather, Lord, what would, and this is through prayer, what would you have for me to think, to feel, to say, to do in relationship to my circumstances and my responsibilities that I have today? My dependency is total. Then last of all, my accountability is certain. My accountability is certain. In verse 17, he drives on the fact that it's not just the wrong things that I've done that prove me to be a sinner. It's the things that I knew to do but failed to do. These are what we call in the Christian life sins of omission. Because James says, what you ought to be doing is asking in humility, Lord, what's the right thing for me to do? And if you don't do those things, to you, it's sin. There's a lot that I don't know, but here's what we do know. We know what the Lord requires. We know what he's created us to do. Micah 6, 8, for example, the Lord has told you, old man, what you must do. You must do justice Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. That's perfection. I must love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, and I must love my neighbor as myself. Those are the things that God has commanded me to do, and all of us sin and fall short of doing the right thing, the right time, in the right way all the time. We are sinners, and it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. So there's a final exam. And we said last week, there's one judge and one lawgiver. Well, here's the rub for me. How am I, sinful me, not only the wrong things that I've done, but the things I've lacked, how am I ever going to face that final exam? How how is a a sinful Neil Aubrey going to stand before a holy God? That's the question. My time is fleeting. My knowledge is limited. My accountability is certain and my dependency is total. How am I going to stand before eternity and God? And how are you? Well, one of the things we do to comfort ourselves is we compare ourselves to other people. 
I do this all the time in college. I'd get in there with a bunch of people. We were about to have an exam. And I knew I hadn't done what I was supposed to do to prepare for it. So I would try to comfort myself by asking my neighbor, how much did you study? <laughs> and if that person said, I studied for a month, I'd say, oh, man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> or if that person says, I didn't study at all. I just showed up to see how this would go. I felt better about myself, you know. Or I'd ask, are you ready for this? <laughs> And if they said, no, I don't know any of this, I felt better about my score, you know, and what I was going to get by comparing myself to other people, and that's what we tend to do, right? And so here I am about to take my exam. I hadn't done what I needed to do to be fully prepared, and I'm hoping and praying for a curve. You know what a curve is? We're going to lower the standards for everybody where we all get, you know, all get a good grade. Well, somebody would mess up the curve, right? I'd take the exam, and then somebody, well, how'd you do? I said, man, I aced it. You aced it? What'd you get? I said, I got a C. <laughs> so I lower my standards. Here's the problem. God doesn't lower his standards. Not for any of us. We're here. We're gone. We haven't done what we should. We failed to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is there any hope for us? Yeah. God to the rescue in Jesus. You see, normally we take this message and we put it in the negative and we say to ourselves, man, there's a lot that happens that we didn't see coming and it negatively affects my life. It's, you know, I thought it was a, a light at the end of the tr tunnel and it ended up being a locomotive. And it ran all over me. Normally, when we say we don't know what tomorrow holds, we take a negative turn on that, and we're expecting the worst. But have you ever stopped to think that oftentimes God has gracious, undeserved, unexpected things that end up being good, <laughs> good surprises? You see, God sent Jesus and Jesus wasn't limited in his knowledge. He had perfect knowledge. In fact, he kept telling his disciples, I'm going to be crucified, and on the third day I'm going to rise from the dead. But their knowledge and experience was so limited, they didn't interpret it correctly. They didn't grasp it. And Jesus' time wasn't limited either. He knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus wasn't subject to time. So God came down in Jesus and lived in limited time, but he was an eternal being, so he wasn't subject to anything or anybody, and no one took his life from him, but he laid it down of his own accord. And did he have total dependency? Absolutely. He totally surrendered perfectly. Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me, but, but not my will, but your will be done. He completely depended upon the Father's will. Father, into thy hand. I, he did that out of love for us. And then let's take the last one. Was there anything he failed to do? Was there anything that he knew was the right thing to do that he didn't do? Did Jesus have any sins of omission? No, he didn't leave out anything, but he fulfilled every aspect of the law perfectly and completely. And he said at the cross, it is finished. It's done. I get his score. The Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's unexpected grace. That's something that they didn't see coming, but they should have seen it coming. You see, Adam and Eve in the garden, man, there was something they didn't see coming. And that was the fact that after they sinned, they didn't die. At least immediately, God gave them grace. And he made a promise that the head of the serpent would eventually be crushed. And God took the the pathetic coverings that they had tried on themselves, and he, he killed an animal, and he covered them with real animal skins. That was, that was grace, and it was a miracle, and it was surprising. Then Abraham, he didn't see something coming. He was ready to sacrifice his son, his only son, on the altar. And lo and behold, what a surprise. 
a lamb caught in the thicket that could be a substitute. Joseph and his brothers at the end of Genesis, they had tried to kill Joseph and left him for dead. At the end of that story, what a surprise. Our brother is prime minister of the kingdom. And we're starving and he's going to provide for all of us. The Israelites come to the Red Sea. What are we going to do? Pharaoh's behind us. He's going to destroy us all. God opens it up. We didn't see that coming. What a surprise. We could go on and on through the Bible. Daniel in the lion's den. The three men in the furnace. What? A, there's the Son of God. There's another one in there. We come to Mary and Joseph. A virgin hears a message from an angel. You're going to have a baby. And it's going to be the Son of God. What? All the miracles of Jesus, the water into wine, the feeding of the 5,000. Gracious, unexpected surprises. Then the last one of all, the seventh sign, Lazarus come forth from the dead. And he comes forth unbound from the grave. What a tremendous surprise. And in their limited knowledge, they never saw the greatest surprise of all coming. The resurrection of Jesus. He is risen. All I'm saying is that God in His grace, if you will, hey, your knowledge is limited. Your time is fleeting. You're totally dependent. And and you're going to stand before Him. But hey, trust Him. He is working all things together for good. Trust in Christ to save you. Trust in Christ to sustain you. And the surprise of the new heaven and the new earth is guaranteed and promised. We don't know the future, but we know what's in the future. And that is perfection and heaven and glory. Let's go back to Freddie. How shocked and saddened we all were. I talked to a lady, Miss Ruthie Daniel, who works with Mary and Freddie and sometimes cleans their home. She had the last conversation with Freddie, to our knowledge. And Freddie says... I'm going to the church and I'm going to do some work. All of us later that day were shocked and saddened. And we said, man, that's, that's difficult news. And it was and is still difficult news. But we weren't the only ones surprised that day. There, Freddie was surprised. <laughs> because there's something that he didn't see coming. And that was seeing Jesus that day. Lord, I just came to work at the church. And look, what a surprise. I'm in heaven with you. And all these other loved ones who are already here. James would remind us that the biggest surprise that he ever had was his brother, Jesus, who he didn't believe was the Messiah, who he thought was, you know, crazy, that he had been raised from the dead. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We're just here and we're gone. But we know our Heavenly Father is good. And He is always up to good. And so you and I need to continue. Trust the Lord and do good. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning that you hold our future and you are good. That the ultimate evidence of this is that through the cross, which... On the surface, the cross seemed to be the the worst possible news ever to the disciples. As they were brokenhearted and defeated. But three days later, through the resurrection of Christ, they found joy. And they found that weeping may last for a night, but a shout of joy, a wonderful surprise, came in the morning. And through that lens, we can live life. And instead of being apathetic and despondent and venture to despair, we can instead trust you and be obedient and look to you, love you and serve daily, fulfilling our responsibilities, trusting you with tomorrow. So have have us to do, Lord, this morning, during this time of invitation, what we need to do to be sure that we've trusted Christ for eternal salvation and have passed already from death to life. 
Be sure that we are daily walking with you in service and love and devotion to you. That we've surrendered our lives to you totally, not just for salvation, but for continued daily living. And that we would not lose hope no matter what we face, but instead put our hope in you, the living God. In Christ's name we ask these things as we examine ourselves. May you, Lord, be our vision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. You come as we sing. for being here this morning. Is there any word or request before we close? Yes, thank you. That was one thing that was announced. Okay, Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall, Jackie Wayne's going to reboot, I guess, the Bible study that they were doing on Tuesday nights. They had been having a meal at 6 and then Bible study through David Jeremiah at 7, but they're not going to do the meal. They're going to space out and spread out in the fellowship hall every Tuesday night at 7 and join Jackie, the great Bible teacher, a uh, wonderful person if you don't know he and his wife. Um, so I encourage you for Tuesday nights, if you're looking for a place to grow and a place to be fed, uh, that's, a, that's a great place to, to go. So they're going to start the Tuesday night after Labor Day. And on Wednesday nights after Labor Day, Bryce and I are going to start again our adult studies on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. So uh, we'll say more about that later, but the Wednesday night after Labor Day. So we're trying to re, you know, reboot some things that, that we had uh, stopped or limited uh, based on you know, the changes that were taking place with the coronavirus. But we're going to keep worshiping at 9 and 11 because we need to all gather and, and space out as we gather. So I appreciate your patience. Uh, and understanding through that. So thank you, Bryson. Was there anything else that we need to announce or be aware of? Again, John Mark's teaching at 6 tonight, and so is Bryson in two different places. And as we exit, y'all have a, have a great week. Catherine's going to close this though first with a benediction. We're going to sing Seek Ye First together.